You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Yeah. But just FYI, you didn't win the lottery, so sorry about that. Hey, I'm so glad to be here today. My name's Danny, and, and uh, I, this is my second time to be here. I was here about this time last year. And it's such an honor and such a privilege for me to be here. Pastor Doug and his family and the staff here are our dear friends, and uh, I've learned so much uh, from you guys. And so it's just a big, big honor um, to be here. I'm going to j- jump right into the message. I, n- I know it's also December the 2nd, so like Merry Christmas early, you know what I'm saying? I think because Thanksgiving started a little bit early this year, I've, like I've been in this Christmas spirit for like three weeks already. Anybody feel me right now? Yeah. Um, so I, I like to cook. And I'm fairly decent at it, um, if I do say so myself. Um, so a while back, I was um, slicing some potatoes with this machine called a mandolin. Does anybody know what a mandolin is? And you just kind of slice, and, and it has this protective guide um, that you're supposed to use. But I got kind of lazy on the last potato, and I was like, I don't need that guide. And, and then immediately, I sliced off the tip of my thumb. And of course, I was making potato salad in the skin, and, and the potatoes are the same color, by the way. So I was like, oh, well, I don't know what happened right through there. Don't, don't eat potato salad at my house. That's all I'm saying, right? And, and so immediately my body uh, began this series of responses through a process called nociception, which I have no idea what that means. I've just read this stuff, okay? It, it sent uh, pain signals, tremendous pain signals to my body saying, you just sliced off the tip of your thumb, moron, you know? Like that's what my brain was telling me. Never do that again. And then there was a, 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 some platelets that went into the area to clot the blood flow and, and to uh, stop uh, any sort of infection from getting into the body. Then after that, there were these things called the neutrophils. I don't even know what that means either. They flooded into the area. They began to eat all the bacteria up. They did that for a couple of days. And then uh, a little while later, they were the heroes by that point, so I didn't get infected. Then, then something called macrophages, again, no idea, um, came in like little Pac-Man and began to eat them up. And then there was this final phase of healing um, called the remodeling phase where new tissues began to come place. And so there's a little scar there now, but my thumb looks pretty normal now um, for my thumb. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't, like for a while there, there was this big chunk missing and now it's back. And, and all of this happened um, that without me knowing it, without me controlling it, uh, I don't understand how it happened. I don't understand how it works, but somehow I did it, but I didn't do it. But the idea is that healing happens, that God has wired into how he created us with this capacity um, for healing. It's not under my control. It's not always what I want or where I would want healing, but it, it happens. Sometimes it leaves a scar. Sometimes it leaves a limp, but it happens. Healing happens. And I want to talk about that today at the request of your pastor. You know, one of the ways that you can sort of divide humanity up in, is into two categories. You have people who are savers and you have people who are throwers. Know what I'm saying right now? Like, like there are people who are throwers. Like if it gets a dent or a ding or a scratch, you're like, it's got to go. It's got to go. Like some people are OCD like that. And other people will be like, no, there's still some life left in it. Let's, let's save that thing. You guys know what I'm saying right now? Any throwers in the house today? Your, your first instinct is like, we got to get that out of the house now. Anybody? Three people. Okay, anyways. Um, 
Now, every marriage generally has one of each, um, at least in my family we do. I'm, I'm probably the saver of stuff in my family. Like if it has any inkling of sentimental value, like my, my, my girls played with it, like we should keep that. They played with that one time. Stick it in the attic, you know? And so the attic is full of stuff that we'll never know what it is in 20 years from now, right? But my wife, Rachel, she is most definitely a thrower. She can throw things away on a whim. Like I'll have a drink and it's like only halfway drunk and then it's like, where'd my drink go? Oh, I thought you were done. Well, what'd you do with it? I threw it out. Why? It was perfectly good. Anybody with me on this one? Okay, we're, we're getting there now. Now, my, my little daughter, my youngest daughter, Naomi, is, is, is like her in this way. A, a few years ago, we lost our little dog. He got out of the fence. We didn't know where he was. I, I, I got the girls in the car. We drove around for three hours, just ever-widening circles, looking for the dog. And, and Noel, our oldest, is crying, just crying out the window. And I was kind of like a little bit cracked up by it because I was like, teenager girls be dramatic. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, and, and the little one, Naomi, who's a, a, a thrower, she's like, Noel, don't worry about it. We'll just go to the store and get another dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she, she did this with her betta fish as well. She begged me for a betta fish. I finally bought her one. It started to get sick after a while because that's what betta fish do. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so she's like, Dad, let's go to the store and get me another fish. And I'm like, babe, he's still alive. He's still hanging in there. No sympathy for the brother trying to hang on to his life, you know? She's a thrower. So is my wife. So like the other day, I get this wicked, wicked headache. I think it was allergies or whatever. But I didn't say anything to my wife or my daughter because I knew which category they were in. And they're like... Get rid of him. Get us a new dad. <laughs> it's a true story, right? A long time ago, there was a small group of people named Israel. And they came to believe that, that their God is a saver. That when God creates things, when God makes stuff, and it begins to break down for whatever reason, that he wants to jump in and help it and save it and redeem it and heal it. This is from the Psalms, Psalm 91. I'm going to give you a few verses just to sort of support this idea that that, that, the psalmist says, under his wings, under God's wings, you will find refuge, safety, protection. It's, it's an incredible word, this word in the Hebrew. It's the word kanaf, this word for wings. And it would also be the same word that they would use to describe the shawl, the, the tassels of the prayer shawl. So the rabbis would wear these prayer shawls. Maybe you've seen these people, uh, folks that do this. And at the bottom are these tassels, and each of these tassels represents various commandments of God. And, and, and they, were, they were something that were offered to, to protect them. The commandments were and, and, and bring healing. And, and the rabbis would eventually come to talk about that, that the, these days we obey these commandments um, because they exist for the healing of the world. And that little corner of the prayer shawl, um, they called the kanaf, the wings. Now, over time, this wonderful tradition, this grand idea was born in, in Israel, and, and, and the prophets, uh, the, the minor prophets, the major, they would all talk about this. Mount Malachi, minor prophet, 4.2 says, unto you that fear my name, the son of righteousness. This is a prophecy about Jesus. The son of righteousness will arise with, with what? Healing in his wings. So there are all these promises. And we get these little glimpses through the Old Testament. You get these little glimpses of this coming to pass, but not in the way that it would become in the New Testament. Um, that, that, that the Messiah would come, and in his kanaf, in his prayer shawl, in, in the corners of his garments, there would be healing in his wings. 
The prophet Isaiah says this would be true. He's talking about the coming Messiah. In Isaiah 53, he says it like this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was was laid upon him. And by his wounds, we, we are healed. That the idea is that the God that you and I serve is a God who has the power, the capacity to bring healing no matter what the situation is. The, the idea sustained itself for a long time. Matter of fact, there's an ancient hymn that, I mean, uh, that we sing as a Christmas carol around this time of year called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. One, one of the lines says that, uh, let me read it right here, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. So, so one day, Jesus comes on the scene and he's a teacher, a rabbi, but he's also a healer. And this is fundamental to his ministry, to who he was, because he's trying to give um, a little bit of up there, heaven come down, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right, as it is in heaven. He's trying to bring up there, down here, and so he starts to heal people, and he starts to do amazing things. And I want to give you just a a story for the rest of our time. We're going to hang out in the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen, Mark chapter 5. I just want to give you insight into who Jesus is, who, who he was, who he is, his mindset, his heart. And so Mark, Mark's gospel, chapter 5, verse 24, a large crowd followed. Now just picture this. Jesus is walking around, doing his thing. There's a massive crowd around him. Everybody wants some of what he's got. He's been healing people. He's been doing miracles. And they're like, we gotta, we got to be around this guy. And so... This large crowd followed and pressed around him, meaning that they're shoving themselves into Everybody's grappling for position. And a woman who was there uh, was there who had been subject to bleeding uh, for 12 years. That's a long time to have some sort of malady like that. She, She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she had spent all she had on those doctors, is what Mark is letting us know. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. I love this. This same story appears in three of the Gospels. In Luke's particular Gospel, he tells the same story, but he leaves out the part about the woman suffering under the hand and the care of doctors. He also leaves out the part about her losing all of her money to those doctors. Does anybody know what profession Luke had? He was a doctor, so he's like, I don't want to put that in there. That makes us look bad. It's out, right? Funny, come on. That's funny right there. Brother just left it out, you know. But imagine being... This woman, 12 years she suffers physically from anemia. She's weak. She lacks energy. There are no medications for her at this point. She suffers financially, the the text tells us. She's lost all of her money. Everything is gone. She's probably having to beg now just to survive. She suffers spiritually because the Old Testament law was very clear. Because of the blood flow, she was ceremonially unclean. That would mean that any body that she touched would become unclean. That was the way it worked. That would mean the bed where she slept was unclean. That would mean the chair she sat on was unclean. So that if you came behind her and sat on her chair, you would be ceremonially unclean. She wasn't allowed to come into a space like this. She couldn't go into her own temple because she was unclean. There would be this tremendous stigma attached to being unclean. 
She would have heard the kind of stupid things that people say when people are suffering. Religious people often do the, say the dumbest things. Can I get an amen on that, right? right? If you just had more faith, you, you wouldn't suffer like you do. Like if you just you know, sowed a seed into this ministry, you'll get healed over here, right? If you, if you just had, if you, if you, you must have sinned. Maybe God's disappointed in you on some level. That's why you're not being healed. And she would have had to live with all of this for 12 years. I, I just feel like it's important for me to say this right here because I grew up in a context just like that where if things were not going your way, it was, it was your fault. And, and I just want to say here that if for some reason you've been praying for a miracle or a healing or, or whatever and you haven't yet received it, it's not your fault. Can I just throw that out there? It's not, we're, not, we're not putting that on you here. Heal, healing can be a mystery. It can feel like it's going to be delayed over and over again. Right? That just, but it's not your fault. Right? But b- back to our story. Maybe she's a mom. Probably she was because most women in that culture would have stru- uh, wanted to be moms very, very young and very early on. And that would mean she could not touch her children. If she did, they would become unclean. Imagine never being, those of you who are moms, never being able to touch, tuck your, your, your little kids in at night. Never being able to give them a hug. You know, it's like when, when little kids get hurt. My girls did this. When they get hurt, they hurt their finger, smash their finger. Who do they run to? They run to mom. They don't run to dad because dad's like, shake it off. You know what I'm saying? Shake that off. But it's bleeding. Shake it off. It'll stop bleeding eventually. Macrophages or whatever I said in the front part, right? It's going to happen. But moms, moms want to hug them up. And what do the kids want them to do? Mom, would you kiss it and make it, what, better? But she can't do this because if she touches them, she makes them unclean. There's a good chance she would probably have been married. Her husband can't touch her. Right? Imagine that. Can't touch her. If he does, he's unclean. Maybe she's lost her marriage by now. We don't know, but maybe she has. Every night she prays when she goes to bed, God, please heal me. Heal me. Every morning she wakes up and she thinks, maybe it's today. And after a while she realizes, not, not today. But then she hears about this, this teacher, this healer, Jesus. She hears that he's coming to where she lives. And so in verse 27, it says, When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes... I will be healed. She she gets this crazy notion from somewhere, and she thinks, if I can touch him, something good will happen. Now, now touching is something we'll often do when we want to get something from somebody. You know what I'm saying? Those of you who are parents of little kids, especially little kids, you know this. Mom, tap, 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 tap. Mom, tap, tap, tap. You're on the phone. Mom, tap, tap, tap. Until you finally snap a little bit. What? Anybody besides me do this? I see how you leave a brother up here by now. Right? We just snap a little bit after a while. There's something about touching that gets people's attention. If you get a little bit bored during the series, during the sermon, just tap the person's shoulder in front of you and see what happens. It could be fun, right? Just tap, 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 tap. Just see. Probably don't do it, though. It'd probably be a bad idea. But this woman gets this idea, verse 28, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Matthew's gospel says that, that if she said, if I could just touch the hem, of his garment. It's curious to me. Why, why does this thought occur to her? Why the hem of his garment? Why not his shoulder? Why not just try to get a high five from him or something? Like, hey, high five. Healing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> why, 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 the, why the corner of his garment? 
It may be that this woman knows the prophecies concerning the Messiah, and she's thinking in her heart, this is the one we've been waiting for with healing in his wings, in his kanaf. If I could just touch the hem, if I could just touch the corner of his garment, maybe I could be healed. You see the faith involved now. She looks at Jesus and and his prayer shawl, and maybe, maybe she thinks in her mind, it says, tap here if I can help. And so she does. And it's an amazing story. And then we read, immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And this is this, there's this unbelievable and electric moment. This is, for, for the first time in 12 years, she's realizing this is what it feels like to be normal. This is what it feels like to be whole because she feels the body. The Bible says she feels the healing come to her. She thinks, I got what I came for. I, I got healing from Jesus, so I'm going to leave now. That's the end of the story. But, but it's not the end of the story because verse 30, Jesus says it once. Jesus realizes that power had gone out of him. And he turns around in the crowd and he asks his disciples, who, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And, and his disciples, you know, they're like, hey, brah. There's a lot of folk around here. Everybody's touching your garments right now. We touched you. Everybody's touching you. Like, how are you going to ask us? And yet he says, yeah, but who touched me? And he keeps looking around, the Bible says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. Now, why, trem- why is she afraid in this moment? This is an incredible story because with Jesus, in this story we see both his remarkable power, but also his humanity. Healing strength goes out of him, and he knows, and so he says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, dude, are you kidding me? And there are people all over the place. What do you, what do you mean who touched you? But Jesus knows that somebody knows. And he looks around, and one woman knows, and she looks at Jesus, and Jesus looks at her, and she falls at his feet, the Bible says. She's scared to death. Why? Because she broke the law. She's made Jesus unclean by touching him. And then there's this remarkable phrase, and it says she told him the whole truth. She told him the whole story. Like, like what an amazing phrase, she told him the whole truth. And I think, I think there's a lesson for us to learn here, and I've learned it in my own way, in a hard way. I think in this place today, we can learn a great deal from that. Like whatever we're going through, like whatever guilt or shame or pain or sickness or anxiousness or depression, whatever secrets we have, we just need to tell him the whole truth about us. Not, not because he doesn't already know, but because there is healing and that honesty, that sort of gut level honesty. This is where I'm hurting. This is where I'm broken. This is where I failed. We're, we're going to have a time in just a few moments where we're going to invite folks who would like to um, receive healing or receive a prayer. For anybody who wants healing in any way, we're going to just invite you to come down just in a couple of moments. The band's going to sing an amazing song. But I would invite you, I would encourage you to say to God, this is where I'm hurting. This is where I'm broken. This is my truth. She just falls at his feet, trembling, and whatever it was for her, and I can only imagine, maybe she was like, you know, I gave up on... The idea that I could ever be right again so long ago. I haven't had enough faith. I, I, I didn't believe enough. I haven't prayed like I should. I haven't been the kind of mom I should. Or maybe I wasn't the kind of wife I, I wanted to be. I feel like a failure. Clearly I failed. I have no money. 
I have no finances. I have, my spirituality has been dinged up because I haven't been able to go to the temple. I'm, I'm alone. Jesus, that's the whole truth about me. And then she waits and she's terrified because she doesn't know what's going to happen because she broke the law and she made him unclean and he's a rabbi. What's he going to do? Verse 34 says, Jesus' response is, he calls her daughter. Nobody has called her daughter in a long time. And he says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. The word peace is so important there. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And when he says daughter here, it's not just, hey, you're the daughter of somebody, but he's saying you're a daughter of God. You're a daughter of Israel. She's been cut off from that. But he's restoring this to her. And I was wondering, while reading through this story, why does Jesus do all of this? This woman got healing. She got what she came for. She's been suffering. She's received her physical healing. Why does he make a point of calling her out publicly in front of the crowd? What's what's the motive here? I think it's because Jesus wants her to have more than just a physical healing. He wants her to know the healer. That not, that not only does he have the power to heal, but he has the heart to heal as well. Because she's been dealing now with tremendous amounts of, of shame and guilt and pain. And the past has been her present for, for a long time now. And the past has been so unkind to her. And now he's calling her daughter. And he's doing this specifically to deal with the shame, with the stigma of what has been done to her, what has happened to her. You, you are, with, with the word daughter, he's saying, you, you are not what people have said you are. You've been labeled a disgrace. You've been labeled unclean. You've been outcast. And with one word, he reminds her of her worth. With one word, he, ref, he re, reframes her entire outlook. And with, with one word, he lets her know, you're part of the family of God. I, I know you came here for a physical healing but I want to heal the brokenness inside of you I want to make you whole you know it's because with Jesus it's okay not to be okay right with Jesus the way we say it at our church is everybody's welcome and and nobody's perfect and with him anything is possible with Jesus that means for us here at City Church that means for us it's okay not to be okay. But Jesus kind of specializes in people who aren't okay. And, and, and in fact, people who think they're okay, they don't always do real well with Jesus. It's okay not to be okay. But with Jesus, it's not okay to stay that way. Not when there's a God who loves us so much and he's got healing in his wings and he's got a community of believers to walk through life with us through every trial, every circumstance, every pain, every bit of all of the stuff that life often brings us. There's a community of faith, this place. And I, I just want to finish by showing you how much it is that God loves you, is for you, Back to the story for just a second. If you read this whole, this whole chapter of Mark 5, you find that the story begins with a wealthy synagogue leader, this man named Jairus, who's come to Jesus asking for him to come to his house because his daughter is ill at the point of death, and we find out later that she does die. And, and so Jesus says, I'll go with you. And they're on their way now. They're on their way to go and heal this daughter 
when they get interrupted by this woman, this anonymous woman, we don't know her name, we don't know her story. Jairus is there first, and, and in his culture, he's a man, he's wealthy, he has servants, he has status, he's a somebody. But on the other hand, we have this woman who clearly in her culture, we don't even know her name. She has no money. She has no status. She's an outcast. She's unclean. She's, in her culture, she's a nobody. But Jesus interrupts the somebody to be with a nobody. And what he's trying to tell us through this story is that with Jesus, nobody's become somebody. As a matter of fact, Paul the Apostle would go on and write this in Romans 9. This is from the message and he says, I'll call nobody. He's talking about Jesus. I'll call nobodies and I'll make them somebodies. I'll call the unloved and I'll make them the beloved in the place where they yelled out, you're a nobody. They're, they're now calling you God's living children in God's kingdom. Nobody's become somebody. In God's kingdom, nobody is a nobody. In the kingdom, you're not a nobody. Neither am I. I don't know what you need healing with. I don't know if you ever thought about the idea that maybe God can heal, set free, deliver, change my life. I don't know what's going on in your life. I just know this. Our God is a healer. Where, where do you need healing? Where, where do you need God to touch you? What area of your life do you need God to do a work? I'll, I'll tell you about my own life just for a moment. For years, um, even, even as the pastor of the church that, I, that we started, that we pastored now, I, I was living with a tremendous amount of anger inside of me. I didn't realize it was a problem. I just thought it was, well, us Rivers dudes, we're always ticked off. You know, my dad was ticked off. His dad was ticked off. I'm guessing generationally, generationally we were just ticked off. We didn't know why we were mad. We were just mad. There's a lot of anger. And, and I remember Pastor Brent Satoff, who's one of the overseers of our church. He came to me and he said, hey, Danny, you know what? I think you should come to recovery with me, man. It's a group of pastors, and I think you would enjoy it. I think it would be cool. And I was like, recovery? Dude, I'm, I'm good, man. You know what I'm saying? I got it. I'm all good. He said, nah, nah, you, you need to come. You should come and hang out. And I was like, ah, oh, I'll go network with these guys. I'll go meet some dudes, and it'll be cool. And about week three, I was like, oh, man. Those of you who've ever peeled the onion, you know what I'm saying. About week three, I was like, wow, wow. And God began to reveal and God began to show me stuff about me that wasn't great. Some, some of my worst ways, one, one of which was anger. And, and I remember as I was going through this process and unpacking all of this, and, and, and I knew that God was going to do something incredible through this process. But I remember one day going, the, the, the kids had gone to school, my wife had gone to work, and I just was in my living room praying. I got down on my knees and I realized for the first time as God began to show me that Danny, in spite of the fact that you're a pastor, you've gone through seminary, you've been a Christian your whole life, in spite of all that, Danny, you haven't given it, you haven't told me the whole truth about you. I'll never forget it. On my knees, crying out to God, God, would you heal me? God, I surrender. First time in my life where I knew I had never, I had never surrendered it all. I had not surrendered the anger. I had not surrendered the source of it. And I began to cry out to God, God, would you be the healer of the brokenness inside of my heart? And in that moment, first time where I had ever told God the whole truth about me, healing began in my life. It wasn't immediate. Through the process of 
of, of humility and honesty and seeking help for others coming around me, praying, naming my whole truth, God began to heal me, not fully, not wholly. That day I'm still looking forward to, but I can tell you right now that my family would say that something dramatic happened in my life. That God healed me. I'm telling you that you're in the space right now with a God who can heal you. I, I want to finish with the band coming back. If they're not here, y'all come on out. They're going to sing this beautiful song and we're going to invite our, our prayer team to come out and be ready for you. And, 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 and maybe those of you in the first service, man, like half the crowd came down. We didn't know where to put everybody, but like, 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 like if it's you, if you want to come, you can just come while they sing the song. You can be praying where you are. God can move on you right where you are in your chairs. But if you feel compelled, because so much of the, the, the New Testament healing stories involve somebody just touching somebody, that there's some kind of power in that touch. Maybe you need a healing of a broken heart, a broken relationship. Maybe you've suffered a really, really bad loss recently. Maybe there's a failure that weighs heavy on you. You've never been willing to tell the whole truth, so you carry it around in secret and it just keeps getting heavier and heavier as it was for me. Maybe there's guilt, maybe there's shame. Maybe you were neglected, maybe you got fired, maybe you were abandoned as a child and you've never sort of dealt with this. Maybe you feel like a failure as a dad or, or a mom or a husband or a wife. We're just gonna have a time for healing. And, and I know that some of you may be thinking, I can't go up there, I can't do that because if I do, other people will see me go forward and they'll think, well, I'm not perfect. But can I just tell you, everybody already knows you're not perfect, just FYI, just throwing that out there. And this is not a place where we cheer perfect people. City Church is not a place where we cheer perfect people. This is a place where we cheer imperfect people who bring their imperfections and their neediness to God. Can I get an amen on that? So while they're singing here, if you want to come forward, just please do so at any point. We're going to ask them to sing this beautiful song. Father, we just come to you in this space, God, the sort of stillness of this moment. God, we're so grateful that we, we can have in you somebody that we can turn our every need, our every care to. No, no matter what our stuff is, no matter how bad it seems to us, there's nothing that is going on inside of our hearts or our lives that you can't handle. So we're just grateful, Lord for healing, that it happens. Not, not just of our physical beings, God, because you've healed me in that way, but God, for the, the stuff that's going on inside of our hearts, the stuff that nobody sees, the stuff that we keep hidden from other people, that you see it and we can just bring it out into the light and tell you the whole truth. Because in you, we have somebody that we can come to boldly with our stuff. And God, maybe some of us in this place just need healing from the stuff that's happened to us in our past. We're so grateful, Lord, that, that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for us. Because of what he's done for us, we can have healing of our souls, oh God. Because the price that was paid by him on the cross, we, we, can, we can invite you to become the forgiver of our sins, the Lord of our lives. We can invite you to, to take control 
that we might follow you, God. We can do that in this space today, God, that we can just say, Lord, come live in me. Come make yourself at home in, in me. Come do your work in my heart. And God, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for what you've done in our hearts and our lives today and what you're going to do. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Can we give God just a big hand clap for a minute there? Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.